Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We just form a fucking wall. O'Neal deep on the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace! What wow. a jump ball! He's down four, 12 8, 7 38 to play the first one. First from Rodney, stuck into the rim! Reggie inside for Andre, and a dynamite dunk! Hello Pistons fans, and welcome to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. We're previewing the NBA draft this week, it's going to be a deep dive into all the prospects the Pistons could consider taking in the 2019 NBA draft with the 15th pick in the first round. Maybe we'll get into some second round guys. Who knows, but got that coming. We got some NBA Finals talk coming, but it's Aaron Johnson here with you. Along with me is Ryan Pay, Brendan Johnson. Look, I told Brendan, hey, this is a big week for the pod. NBA draft preview. The Pistons could be trading this pick. They could be taking, you know, a big-name prospect. There's a lot that could happen. This is a big week for the pod. We need all hands on deck. We need everyone on the same page ready to go to war on the podcast. And Brendan is a no-show. Brennan's off coaching his basketball team in Toledo, thinking he's a hot shot top coach in the in, in the league. But Get him. Where does you're trying to pot? Get him. I mean, this is ridiculous. Ridiculous. A huge week. <laughs> Major week. Huge week for Pistons fans. Huge week for the NBA. Brendan, nowhere to be found. Yeah, and, and, and the NBA Finals just ended, too. I mean, Brendan really just... We're, we've got finals leading right into the NBA draft. Is he gonna, Nothing. Is he KDing us? Is he going somewhere else? Oh, he's going somewhere else. Well, I don't know. Maybe he's going. I don't know what other Pistons pie he could be going to. But I mean, who knows? Maybe he could be transferring to another team. But whatever, Brendan. We understand. We understand. But we're gonna talk about a lot today. We, it would be wrong if we didn't start with recapping an insane NBA Finals. Uh, but. So many storylines coming from that. Juicy. Just so many. And the Raptors winning in six. They pick up the win last night in a close game. But the Warriors were not at full health. Obviously, no Kevin Durant, who's out, who was out for game six with a ruptured Achilles. But then Clay Thompson, who is having a great game. Game six, Clay. Picking up for Steph Curry slack, and, and the Warriors really not having anyone else that could score the ball, even though Andre Iguodala had a nice game. And Draymond, even though he doesn't score the ball, had a really good game. Uh, but, I mean, once you get past those four names, there's literally no one else that's really a viable contributor. And, and Thompson goes down. It was, it, was like, it was like a WWE thing where he left, he walked back to the locker room, then all of a sudden you see him walking back out of the tunnel, <laughs> and he shoots his free throws. And then he comes back out of the game. But he wanted to play. And the reports throughout the game were that Thompson was trying to get back in. He wanted to play. You know, when the TV cut to him going back to the locker room, it sounded like he was saying, you know, I want to, I just want to stay here. And, and the trainer said something to the effect of, well, go back there real quick, then you can come back out because they wanted to check him. Well, and it tor- turned out that Thompson suffered a torn Achilles. Uh, torn or ACL. ACL. ACL, yeah. It was Durant with the or Achilles and Thompson with the ACL. So two big injuries for the Warriors. The Raptors win. Kawhi at the end doesn't seem necessarily like all Raptors-y. Kind of said this was a great for the Raptors moving forward. He didn't say it was great for us moving forward. Maybe that's just nitpicking. But with all the speculation around Kawhi Leonard and what his future is, there's no way that he can just say that and people aren't going to react, aren't going to think that could mean something more than maybe just a him talking in the heat of the moment. Um, but uh, the end of the Warriors dynasty, I mean, the, the storylines just go on and on and on. His boxes fall on me from the Palace of Pistons studio. Uh, the storylines just continue to come from the NBA Finals. And I feel like the biggest thing, the Raptors actually winning the championship, is not getting as much attention as some of the other stuff. It's not, because this was there was just so much that went into this NBA Finals. Uh, no KD, KD trying for part of Game Five, but ending up tearing that Achilles. Uh, Clay Thompson, at one point he was eight for twelve with twenty-eight points. He was efficient. He was carrying that team, only to go and tear his ACL. Terrible, absolutely terrible. I mean, like I said last night, 
A champion is a champion is a champion. And I wouldn't apologize if it was my team who had won. But on that same front, I kind of feel gypped. I kind of feel ripped off. Injuries suck. Hey, the Raptors had injuries too. Kyle Lowry had his thumb issue. Anytime Kawhi Leonard wasn't running, he was heavy limping on that ankle. I get it. But those were two major injuries for for Golden State that completely knocked them out of this series. Not to mention, they didn't have DeMarcus Cousins all year, only get him back to lose him to another injury, to finally get him back in the finals. And he was really... Absolutely awful? Awful, because he had no rhythm. He was out of shape, he had no rhythm, he was just being thrown in there. Yeah. And then, Kevon Looney, I'm not even sure if he could breathe most of the time he was out there. He looked like he was in constant, just, keel over pain. I mean, he looked rough. He was giving it his all, but he looked in a bad way. So, like I said, a champion is a champion is a champion, and it's awesome and good for Toronto. But, man, put KD and Clay out there, and let's see who the real best team is. That's That's how I felt about that. No doubt. I don't disagree. That's how I felt about that. I don't disagree at all. I'm not going to take anything that the Raptors did away from them. They're the champions. You know, they didn't have... Obviously, this is uh, no, nowhere near not having a Durant or a Clay Thompson, but they didn't have OG and Anobi, um, who they really like and consider him a huge part of their core. They didn't want to trade him in the Kawhi Leonard trade, yada, yada, yada. But they didn't have him. Uh, but they went out, and for a team that kind of... Went through a lot. I mean, a new coach having to deal with a new new star who missed time during the season because he want you know he was rested throughout the season periodically. They made trade a trade at the deadline to bring in Marcus Saul. They traded you know some players that had been there for a while and DeRozan and Valenciunas and Delon Wright. I mean, they went through a lot, and for such a quick turnaround for them to be able to beat the Philadelphia 76ers, who had a good season and, and, and built a team that they believe was a championship contending team, for them to be able to beat them is a, a great accomplishment. And then they go out in the finals, and yes, they beat a, a Warriors team that wasn't at their best, but they still got the job done. So you really, you can't take it away from them, but yeah, absolutely what I want to see, and I think everyone would want to see the Raptors and the Warriors go at it at full strength on both sides. Um, but these injuries now, do they at least have an effect on free agency? Does does Kevin Durant's Achilles tear have an effect on free agency? Does Clay Thompson's Achilles tear have an effect on ACL free tear? You're addicted to the Achilles, man. Addicted. I, I feel like to I'm it. just used to that. It's all you want. Is it, I feel. Is that Reggie Jackson's problem? Was that his Achilles? That was I think issue? it was his. Yeah. I, think, I, I have that implanted in my brain. You're I an Achilles guy. You so just much. you want career enders. That's what you're looking for. Wow. Whoa. Whoa. But. Okay, so Clay Thompson was ACL. Yes. Thank you. So, does Clay Thompson's Achilles tear... Or, oh, my God! Well, see, uh, he wants <laughs> career enders. He's addicted to the Achilles. Whoa. So, I will take it yes, from here because you're going to keep Jesus. talking about it. Jeez. So, Clay Thompson tore his ACL. Kevin Durant tore his Achilles. How does this affect the Warriors in the NBA going into free agency? Wow. I, I apologize. <laughs> wow. And um, I'll say this for it. Because you're still reeling from the Achilles. <laughs> I'll say this. Even if, let's say, which he's not going to, I truly believe Kevin Durant's gone. And teams absolutely should still take a chance on him and give him all the money. But let's say he does pick up his option for Golden State. It's just him getting paid. He's not going to play at all. Clay Thompson, early reports right now are he's out till at least March. So... Is this the end of the Warriors? Are they finished? Or are we just putting the pause button on the Warriors? Because without KD, without Clay, it's just going to be Steph and some and some guys right now. Sure, they can make some moves, absolutely. But are they going to give Boogie Cousins a big-time contract? It sounds like Andre Iguodala and Sean Livingston might be retiring. Not that they're two major, huge, big-time factors, but Andre Iguodala is pretty important to this team. And for the team that has no depth... They rely solely on KD, Clay, Steph, and Draymond. After that, it's Sean Livingston and Andre Iguodala and Quinn Cook. So, Iguodala and Livingston are talking about retirement. So, they'll be out of there, most likely. Where do the Warriors go? Are, are, they might not even make the playoffs next year. I don't, think I don't think it's much of a stretch to say if Clay's gone for the whole year, you don't have KD, you don't bring back Boogie Cousins. 
You don't have Andre Iguodala. You don't have Sean Livingston. Sure, some moves are going to be made, but we saw what they were when they were without KD and Clay. You, I don't think it's an over the moon stretch to say they could have they could really struggle to make the playoffs for that one year. You know what? I don't. I don't either. You know, I, you make a good point. I just I don't know. I couldn't imagine a team with with Steph and and Draymond. And I, I still think they'll be able to pull off a couple small moves. I think they'll re-sign Clay. I don't know about Kevin Durant. I, I, I think the injury could maybe make him opt in for a year or, or just sign a one-year deal outright. Or maybe he just is like, you know what? I, I got my rings here. I just want to go. I want to go you know, rehab. I want to do my own thing. I want to come back, and I want to kill the world. Uh, but either way... Yeah, this is big for the Warriors because I think they'll get. I think Clay's kind of a guarantee to come. I back. think Clay's a guarantee to come. Um, back. But next year, you know, how do they roster manage? Because they're still going to be in a terrible cap situation. Um, you know, for for them, considering they're going to be paying max money to a guy that's not playing for them right now, and, and Thompson. I don't much know how much salary relief Kevin Durant brings them because they were over the tax already. Um, but maybe with they get Dollar retiring and Livingston retiring, if they decide to, um, DeMarcus Cousins coming off the books, maybe they'll have a little bit more money. And I know they signed some other guys to some one-year deals. Your Jarep goes to the world and, you know, guys deeper up down the bench. But, you know, are they going to be able to bring in maybe a decent level? Let's say, I don't know, a Marcus Morris-type player in free agency? I don't know. I, I think if they are, that would very much so help them get to the playoffs because they're going to need more juice than just Curry and Draymond for pretty much the entire regular season. Um, but this is really interesting. And I, I, I wasn't even thinking about the Warriors struggling to make the playoffs next year until you brought that up. Like, that was that didn't even just cross my mind. Because it's just like, oh, it's crazy to think about, right? They're Warriors. They're top two seed. On the surface, that's an absolute ludicrous thing to say. But when you really think about it, either way, let's say KD does opt in. He's not playing at all next year. He's just getting paid. Clay Thompson, he resigns. He's not playing until March. As of right now. So there, there's your two big-time scorers outside of Steph. Gone. And then you're relying on Draymond. We saw in these finals what relying on Draymond looks like. Mm-hmm. Sure, he put up 12 points and 15, 18 boards, whatever it was. And he had 10 assists. But he also had 8 turnovers. Yeah. Everyone talks about how great of a passer he is. I just don't see it sometimes. He makes some terrible decisions. Terrible decisions. And, and, and with Iguodala and Livingston possibly leaving... Looney's a restricted free agent. Bogut's a free agent. Uh, I'm sure Jarepko was signed to a one-year deal. I don't have that one off the top of my head. I don't know if Jordan Bell's restricted free agent this year. Maybe that's next year. But the Warriors could be going through a lot of roster change. And how does that affect their franchise? Does that mean it's the end of the dynasty? Even if they keep maybe the three big names of it, minus KD, who wasn't there from really the beginning, but came and cemented it as a dynasty? I think, I think Stephen A. Smith said something interesting on SportsCenter last night. He said he doesn't think it's the end. He thinks you're going to be putting a pause on it. And I tend to agree with that. Next year is going to be a struggle for the Warriors. That's just a fact. I, yes, they're going to make their moves in the free, uh, this offseason. They're not just going to not do anything. But when you're not playing with, when you're playing without a guy like KD and Clay, it just affects the team. You saw that this year. Mm-hmm. It hurts them. So, yes, I, I maybe they they could make the playoffs. Steph's no bum. Steph's a good player. They're going to put pieces around him. But maybe it's a pause on the dynasty for a year or two. And not saying it's going to be dynastic again, but I don't think this is the end of Steph and Clay making it to the finals as Warriors. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's, I, I'm on the same page with you 100%. I honestly think that might be a, be a good point from Stephen A. Smith. Who I don't always think. Makes I don't good always think he makes good points either. But when he said that, I was like, "You're absolutely right." So let's look at the Warriors going into free agency. Durant has his player option. Thompson's a free agent. Um, there's about 25 million together in, in between Iguodala and Livingston's contract for next year. So that's another 25 million that if they both retire, the Warriors would have. So that would give them some cap space. Um, but Cousins is a free agent. Bogut's a free agent. Jarepko's a free agent. Looney's a restricted free agent. Quinn Cook's a free agent. Jordan Bell is, I believe, would be a restricted free agent as well. And then 
coming off the books is about a little under a million for Jason Thompson, who I believe was a guy they bought out years and years ago. Um, so a lot of roster changes a lot could potentially Roster be overhaul could be quite possible for the Warriors. I mean, I didn't even think about Livingston at 33 retiring. But I didn't either, but he's mentioned it he, a few times. Yeah, and, and Nicky Dial is a guy that I feel like has talked about it a little more vocally about potentially yes, hanging it up. he off. has as well. And they're, they're due to pay him over $17 million next year, so that opens up some space for them if he decides to go, but then you got to factor in signing Clay to the max, which is going to be around, I think, $40 million. So that's Dang. a pretty big chunk of money, and that I think would immediately take away the majority of the cap that they have. Yes. So I think if the Warriors were going to do anything, they'd love to know what Iguodala and Livingston are going to do because then they can go out and sign you know, some unrestricted free agents. And then afterwards they can sign Clay and go in over the cap to sign Clay. Uh, so that's what the Warriors are going to be looking at in free agency. But just, wow, what a crazy NBA Finals. It, see, it, and it, the attention wasn't even on really the, the, the end of the game. It was on all the other stuff that came with it. Seriously, like this was one of the most outrageous NBA Finals in the longest time. The quality of play was fantastic, the high level, the games were awesome, but the storylines just overtook it. They just overtook it. It was, I don't know, it was just, my goodness. Here we are breaking down the Warriors and what they're going to do with their roster in the offseason. But speaking of the offseason, before we get to the Pistons, which we're about to get to, how about Woj last night dropping that bomb as soon as the buzzer went off that the Washington Wizards are planning on offering upwards of $10 million a year to Masai Ujiri to, be, to run the show in Washington? Look, the Wizards are so desperate. They've, they've been denied and denied and denied, and they have not run a good franchise in however many years. And Masai Ujiri better not go there. I know... Some are saying he's accomplished everything you want to accomplish in Toronto. Why doesn't he go somewhere else and try something new? How about the guy just settles down and continues to win? Tried to tries to build his own dynasty. I mean, he's had a lot of success. Why would he want to go to such a bad franchise that in all in all reality, if he doesn't bring good results in a year or two, they probably put him on the hot seat. You exactly. know, why would he want to put himself exactly. in that situation? And when the Wizards tell him, oh, we want to win, and Masai Ujiri is left with the, the corpse of John Wall, obviously Bradley Beal, and then their free agents are Bobby Portis and Jabari Parker, and, and they're just in no position to actually win, and he doesn't do that, he's going to get put on the hot seat, and that just makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, so, I look, if he wants to go somewhere else, fine. You know, go somewhere else. But for his own sanity... And for his own job security, he should not go to Washington. I, I mean, I could, you said it all. Aaron, I couldn't agree more with you. Do not go to Washington, Messiah Jerry. Stay in Toronto. Do your thing up there. But now, we are less than a week away from the NBA draft. And your Detroit Pistons are on the clock at 15. They have a lot of needs they need to fill. A lot, a lot of spots that really need retooling on this roster. But before we get into the breakdown, Aaron, of players, Aaron, I want to know what are your, how are your position ranks breakdown? Are you big guy first, point guard second, wing third, wing first, point guard second, big man third? How would you, what are your team needs going into this draft? Okay, so for me, I think I've made it pretty clear, whether it be on Twitter, whether it be in... The, the Cam Johnson video that, po- that was posted on the new Palace of Pistons YouTube, cha- YouTube page yesterday. Uh, so you should go check that out. Uh, it was a, I did a great video breakdown. We're going to have video content coming from Palace of Pistons now. Again, check us out on YouTube. Our username is Palace of Pistons. So go subscribe, watch the video, leave a like, all that good stuff. But it's a wing. The Pistons need a wing so bad. They have to take one in the draft uh, because they need to get one for cheap. And they need to try to find someone that can contribute right now, and they can do that at 15. There are a couple wings out there at 15 that the Pistons could get some production from. But if I had to go by position, it's got to be wing, point guard, and then a backup big. I guess it can be either a backup four or a backup five because the Pistons could play Thon at either position. I don't know what their intentions are, if they want to play him as a four, if they want to play him as a five. They've kind of split on that throughout 
his time last season with the Pistons. So I think he could play either way. So maybe it's a case where, depending on the prospect available, the Pistons go, all right, we're going to take him, and that means Stan's going to be a five. Or if they take a five, Stan's going to be a four. I don't know. But a backup big is the lowest on my list in priorities for the Pistons in the draft because I also think they can get one for cheap and free agency. Uh, so it's wing, point guard, and then big. This is um, this is something that so, can be so deba- debated so much. and I've gone back and forth on it a little bit a few weeks back, but as more and more of time have gone on, I'm with you on the wing. They just they need to add size and depth for cheap on the wing. They need a shooter, a guy who can play some defense, who has length. I'm in complete agreement. And then, once again, I agree, point guard second, which is crazy because a few weeks ago it was all about the backup big. I really want a solid backup big on this team. You just want team. Bruno Fernando. I do. I like Bruno Fernando, but at the same time, you're right. I just, you're right. The wing is so crucially important, and getting a backup point guard if you don't, if you're not bringing back Ish Smith, is also crucially important. With that being said, let's get into some players that the Pistons could be drafting at 15, and we'll start right away. With Aaron's favorite player, maybe in the entire world in the history of basketball. <laughs> and he did do that video breakdown for him on our new Palace of Pistons uh, YouTube page. Like he just said, seriously, go watch it. He's going to do a bre- little bit of a breakdown right now, but he did a great breakdown of this player on that video. Watch it. Subscribe to our page like Aaron said. Like it. Comment on it. Do all the things because it's a great video and it's going to keep coming. Aaron's going to keep putting those kind of videos out. Our our website, our team, we're going to keep putting those type of videos out. But anyway, Aaron, Cam Johnson at 15 for the Pistons. Okay, so I'm not going to give the full breakdown. I want you to go check out the YouTube video for it, but I'm going to give you my, my, my top things, right? Look, the Pistons, I get it. You want to draft it, and you want in the draft, you try to draft that next big player, that next star. You try to get lucky. You don't do that when Cam Johnson on the board. He's never going to be a star in the NBA, and that's fine. The Pistons are looking to win now with Blake Griffin playing elite basketball. They're trying to fit under Blake Griffin's timeline. Cam Johnson is never going to be a star, but he's 23 years old, and it can come in right away and be a good role player. He could even start for the Pistons. The best shooter in the Atlantic Coast Conference, the best shooter in college basketball. It's a hand-in-glove fit with the Pistons on that, on that side of the floor. Ranked in the 97th percentile in catch and shoot and spot up three pointers, hit shots off the dribble at a good percentage. Um, it, it just it all makes sense. It all makes sense. And he's six nine. He actually gives the Pistons some size on the wing. Not the best defender. He's not strong. He's not as strong as he needs to be, and he's not as quick as he needs to be. But you're never going to draft the perfect prospect, especially at 15. Especially when Cam Johnson really isn't considered to be drafted until really the 20s. And that might even be a reach. I don't care that it's a reach. The Pistons need shooting. They need size on the wing. And they need to need guys that are conducive to winning right now. And that's Cam Johnson, plain and simple. That should be their pick. Here's how polarizing Cam Johnson is in terms of where he's going to be taking or taken. I've seen mock drafts, which can you really trust the mock draft? Who knows? But I've seen mock drafts with Cam Johnson going as high as 17. Literally, this week, 17. Other mock drafts with him going around 26-27. Other mock drafts with him still going four or five picks into the second round. That's how polarizing it is. No one can seem to agree on Cam Johnson. But I do agree with you in the fact that he is a great fit for Detroit. He's a hell of a shooter. Not the best defender. Like you said, he needs to work on his, his upper body strength and his lower body strength to play defense. But that's what a pro strength system's all about. That's when yeah, NBA no, strength no college system prospect comes so, in and is built. It's it's not that shouldn't steer you away from going after a guy like Cam Johnson. Do the Pistons take him at fifteen? Do they try to trade back a little bit? Who knows? A lot of things can go into that. But Cam Johnson is a good fit for the Pistons, and I do agree with you there. Next one we're gonna get into. Hold up, hold up. You mentioned the trade back. Yeah. I bet Boston would want to trade up. Why why wouldn't Boston want Boston's to trade got, up? Boston's got, you know, a, a slew of picks that they could put together. Mm-hmm. You know, if Detroit wants to Move back to 20, I'm sure Cam would still be available I'm, at 20. I'm sure he will be. Um, And they could probably get the 20th pick, and I'm sure... I know Boston has a bunch of picks. I'm sure they have second-round picks. Or if they want to trade a future pick, for Boston to be able to move up, and you know that they have a really big offseason coming up, maybe they want to take a shot at a Kevin Porter or a Romeo Lankford 
right? And they want to take that that gamble. Maybe they want to go get Nikhil Alexander Walker, like combo guard spot for him. Whoever, maybe they want to trade up. They want to make sure they get a guy that they like, and Danny Ainge is able is is willing to part with an asset for once and and, and make a move, and then that gives the Pistons the ability to still draft Johnson, most likely, and they'll have another asset to work with. This is a great conversation to have about trading back, especially with Boston. But something you got to hold on with with Boston is that Danny Ainge is still seemingly all in on trying to go get AD. Is that going to happen? No, probably not. But even Rich Paul even said, sure, I mean, if the trade happens, it's a one-year deal and he's bouncing. But reports are saying that Danny Ainge wants to try to pull the Kawhi on AD and try to convince him throughout the year to stay. So, it'll be interesting to see what Boston does. But I do, do do like the idea of trading back from them. They have so many assets. Danny Ainge has to let go of one at some point, right? Mm-hmm. At some point. Maybe you can steal a second-round pick from Atlanta, move two spots back. Atlanta's got six picks in this draft, three in the first round, three in the second round. I'm sure, you know, if they can move up two spots for maybe the 17th pick and that maybe second-to-last or, or, or last second-round pick, they would do that. I mean, they don't. They're not going to use all six picks. They won't. No, they won't. They'll, they'll, they'll be making moves at the at, at on draft night. So that could be a potential move if you want to trade two spots back. And I'm sure Atlanta would be willing to trade two spots up. They're always looking for guys on the wing. I think they'd love a Romeo Langford or a Kevin Porter for the same reasons. You hit on one of those guys, and when you have three first round picks, you can take that risk, especially when you're that's your last first round exactly. pick. Exactly. Because they have eight and ten. So they can draft guys that they really like at eight and ten, and they can still take a shot at fifteen if they want to trade up there for a, you know a Porter, or maybe a Nazir Little. Um, but I, those are two teams that I really think you know if the Pistons, if I was running the Pistons, and I wanted to get Cam Johnson, which I think the Pistons should want to do, I would be calling those teams and seeing how open they are to a trade like that. All right, staying on the wing, we're going to stay here for a little bit because we've both deemed it as the most necessary need to fill in this draft. Next prospect, Romeo Langford. Aaron, tell me how you feel. Okay, so at first, was not a fan of Langford whatsoever. I mean, you look at his shooting percentage, 27% from the three-point line. Doesn't that tell you everything you need to know? But he was playing it with a bad thumb in his shooting hand, so that obviously has an effect on it. You look at some of the other attributes and other skills he has, he's got you know, good size, gets to the rim really well, has a good handle for a wing, could be, you know, a a ball handler, even though he's a small forward shooting guard at the NBA level. But the the shooting just really worries me. And I look at a Pistons team that needs shooting so bad, and I just don't know if I buy it with Romeo Langford. I don't know if that shot is, is somehow there, you know. I don't know if that hand injury was really the end all be all with his shooting woes and that scares me but a lot of there's just a lot of buzz around him for the season that he had and he's been heavily linked to the Pistons to the point where it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up being on the Pistons on June 20th it'd be more surprising if they didn't take him at this point honestly because all the every mock draft has Langford going to Detroit where there's smoke there's fire and there, there is so much smoke just billowing out about Romeo Langford and the Pistons. Being a guy who's who watches a lot of Big Ten and college basketball, let me tell you, I am not crazy about the Romeo Langford pick. If it ends up being the pick, I hope to God I am wrong. But, like you said, the shooting woes are just almost too much. Yes, injured thumb on the shooting finger. I get it. But my goodness, the shooting was just poor this season. I've watched a lot of Romeo Langford. Sure, he had a lot of pressure on him at Indiana. Maybe more pressure than any player in Indiana history. I mean, it was crazy. Hometown hero. It was an absurd amount put on him. But at the same time, there was really wasn't anything impressive about him. Physically, he would get, take, get it taken to him. Dominated. Not a great defender. His shooting was poor. I mean, he can create his own offense. He can get to the rim, but he still needs to work on finishing at the rim. I don't know if that's the pick. I'm going to be less than enthused. I, 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 
I could understand it from Detroit's perspective, right? Because he's a guy that has that, maybe not star, but high potential allure. And this was a guy who was going to be a top three pick when he initially when he was in high school. Yeah, this was a this was one of the top recruits in the nation. It was, and he had a lot of pressure on him at Indiana. He was literally supposed to return Indiana to glory in one year. That's how much pressure he had on him. And then he had the the injury, and and, and is that enough that when you look at the tape and you don't see everything you want to see, do you find yourself thinking, well, you know, now that his his hand is better. He goes into a situation where he's not the guy. He's more of a role player, at least at the beginning. What you know is that is that enough for, for you to think he's going to be better than what he was in college? I don't know. I don't think it's the best pick for the Pistons, but it's certainly not the worst pick for the Pistons. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you who the worst pick is for the Pistons. But this next guy, I, th- I believe we're going to talk about it. For oh yeah, line. you know exactly where I'm going with this next one. Like I said, we're staying on the wing. Another name I've seen linked to the Pistons, who I don't believe I'm a fan of, I believe you're not a fan of, Kevin Porter. Ew. Gross. Uh, Not for the Pistons. Look, if you want to take a gamble on a guy that has maybe that star potential in the mid-teens, early 20s, fine. Take Kevin Porter. But I've watched enough film on him. I've read enough about him. His stats really don't jump off the page at you, you know, 41% from the three-point line, uh, yeah, that's good, but he came off the bench, and, you know, it's not like that 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 three-pointers, he took a ton, he only took 68 three-pointers last year. Yeah, so there you go. You know, so there's your, your sample size, right? That's not all that much. Doesn't have a good shot, you know, really shooting-wise, his shooting mechanics are awful, uh, You he had his off-the-court issues where he was suspended, not necessarily a great fit for the Pistons on the court-wise because he's only 6'5". He's definitely more of a 2 than he is a 3. Um, and, you know, he likes to play off the dribble. Is not really a, a catch-and-shoot guy. Would would not fit with the Pistons in that sense either because the Pistons need a guy that can be a knockdown catch-and-shoot guy. Maybe a secondary, hereditary ball handler and distributor. But Porter's a guy that loves to dribble the ball, likes to take shots off the dribble, and isn't the best creator for others either. So, just not a fit for the Pistons at all. I don't buy into his potential, really. But if another team wants to and they want to take that risk, like in Atlanta, fine. So be it. But Detroit should not be taking a guy like him on June 20th. For like You're right in the fact that if you're in a team like Atlanta, you have three first-round picks, if you want to use one of them, to take a chance on a guy because he does have potential, go for it. But Kevin Porter, his stats are so underwhelming for what he did and the conference he played in. The Pac-12 isn't some basketball juggernaut anymore. UCLA is down. Washington, down. USC, down. Oregon is, you know, they made their run this year, but for a vast majority of the year, they struggled too. The Pac-12 is just not some conference of champions in basketball like they like to proclaim themselves as. His stats were just too underwhelming. There's just I don't know. I'm not there. For a team like Detroit who needs to hit on this pick, I believe they have to get this pick right. I don't think there's any any middle ground here. Like it, I'm not saying this guy has to be a Hall of Famer this pick, but this has the right choice has to be made. And Kevin Porter, not that guy. One other stat I'll point out, and then we can move on from him. He averaged under one one and a half turnover or points or wow. He averaged one point four assists per game. He averaged 1.9 turnovers per game, and that's a guy that's going to handle the ball a lot and should be, you know, a, a distributor, a playmaker. And he averaged more turnovers than he did assists. That just can't happen. It just can't happen if you're going to take a guy like that. One more wing player, hailing from Kentucky. Which one am I going to say? Because there's a couple. Yeah. But we're not going to go with the shooter. We're going to go with a guy who was linked to the Pistons very early on and who, who on Twitter, some fans seem to be a big fan of. Keldon Johnson. Aaron, your thoughts? He's like the second shooter. Tyler Hero's shooter 1A yeah, and Johnson shooter 1B. Um, but, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't have negative feelings about Johnson. I don't have the most positive feelings about Johnson. 6'6", shot 38% from the three-point line. 
probably a little undersized to play the three, which is kind of the the theme of, of this this area for the Pistons in the draft at, at 15. A lot of 6'5", 6'5 6'6 guys that really aren't small forwards and what the Pistons need because they had no one on their roster that was a small forward that was taller than 6'6". Um, but Johnson's not a bad player. You know, if the Pistons were looking for a shooting guard, I'd like to pick a lot more. So I, I just don't see a lot of small forward in him. And my mindset for the Pistons at 15 is they're taking a small forward. Why in the world would they take a shooting guard when they have three young shooting guards on the roster and they have a fourth in Langston Galloway? It just doesn't make all the sense in the world. Would I be the most enthused about the pick? No. Would I hate the pick? No. Do I think there are better options? Yes. But Kellen Johnson's a solid player. Um, you know, the numbers back that up. And he'll be a fine player in the NBA. He's one of those guys that I think is a safe pick in the in the teens mid early 20s. He I like Kellen Johnson as a player quite a bit. I think he's a very solid player. But you have to get size on the wings if you're the Pistons. It's not like you have the luxury of having size and guys already where you can take a chance and a guy who's more of a shooting guard like you said in a 6-6 Kelvin Johnson. We need guys who are standing 6-7, 6-8, 6-9 out on those wings. We can't keep continuing to have these six, five and a half guys out there on the wing trying to step, defend, and play against guys who are six, eight. It just doesn't work. If this, if we were need more need of a shooting guard, sure, the pick would be like you said, a very good one. It would have me excited, but that's just not what the Pistons are looking for. Now we could stay on the wing and keep talking about some prospects, but let's switch it up a little bit. A guy who projects. As maybe a shooting guard, but with time can develop into quite a point guard. Nikhil Alexander Walker. Big fan of Walker. He's probably number two on my big board in terms of the Pistons. Even though I know the Pistons need a wing, Walker just excites me so much as a combo guard. A guy that could even play the three in a small lineup. Um, and we know Dwayne Casey likes small lineups. So Alexander Walker is a guy that really excites me. Would be happy if the Pistons took him. Shoots the ball, gets to the lane. Great passer, has good size for a point guard or a shooting guard. Um, I just think there's a lot to like about him, and I think he would be able to contribute right away. I also like the idea of with Reggie Jackson coming off the books next year, getting in a young guy and seeing what he can do, and seeing if he maybe has that potential to become your next starting point guard if the Pistons are to move on from Jackson. And if Walker shows that he has that, then the Pistons don't have to spend at point guard, and they can go spend their money somewhere else in free agency next year. Um, I, I, I like him. You know, the, the stats back up that he's a good player. And I would not be mad if the Pistons took him whatsoever. Like I said, number two on my board. I think uh, Walker is oozing with potential. He played for Buzz Williams at Virginia Tech, and you didn't get to see everything he could do in that type of system. Bring him into the NBA, I don't. I think this guy can take that step to be a fantastic point guard in this league. So that begs the question, do you take the best player available at 15, or do you stick to the need of wing? Because if you're taking the best player available, and uh, Walk- Alexander Walker's there, how can you pass on Walker Alexander? I don't know if you can. I mean, 16 points, 4 rebounds, 4 assists, over 37% from the three-point line. Those stats bear out that he was a good player at the college level. When you look at his size, when you look at the the, the talk around him, people believe there's something there in him, right? And people believe he can be a good player. And if the Pistons have that opportunity to take him, maybe they don't say no. I know Cam Johnson is the guy that I think Detroit should take. But if they decided to take Alexander Walker instead... I just couldn't blame them. I couldn't be like, oh, that's just... I don't know why the Pistons did that. You know, that would be the one guy I think that I would be like, fine. I I can see taking him over Cam Johnson. And I know I'm bullish on Johnson. I know I'm probably higher on Cam Johnson than every other person in the world, minus North Carolina fans. (laughs) But that's just how much I believe in him. If I I found the prospect I like, I'm going to... I'm going to give my give my sense on him, give my two cents on him, back him up. 
but I wouldn't be mad with Alexander Walker. I think he's going to be a good player, and I really like that he could potentially be that point guard for the future at the Pistons. And, and, and one other thing, the point guards that we're seeing come in the NBA today, 6'5", 6'6". I mean, Derek White, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, these these next generation of point guards, they're, they're, they're taller, they're bigger. And Nikhil Alexander-Walker, 6'5". I'll, I'll, I'm willing to take my chance that. I mean, DeJounte Murray, the, the list goes on. There's a lot of these younger point guards that are taller now. I just think in a in an NBA-style system with Dwayne Casey coaching him, who's known to put young guys in good situations to help them grow, I just don't know how you could pass on this guy if he's there at 15. Like you said, if you can land this guy, you don't have to worry about point guard, per se, in free agency. Maybe it might That's take a hope. minute. That's the hope. That's the hope this year. I think it might take a little more time than that to fully develop him into point guard uh, status. But that I just I've watched enough of this guy. He just oozes potential. I mean, as a passer, like it's there with him. Like I, he's a point. He's going to be a point guard. The passing is there. The size is there. The vision is there. And then when you add in his shooting and scoring ability, I just don't see how you he he doesn't project as a point guard. Ex- no, exactly. You're. Dead on. It's kind of like Donovan Mitchell, right? And that's what I wrote about Mitchell during the NBA or during the NBA draft a few years ago. When I settled on Mitchell as the guy for the Pistons, I said this is a guy that can end up playing point guard in the NBA. He can distribute the basketball. And not that I think Alexander Walker is going to be as good as Mitchell, but I kind of see the same thing. Where maybe he was more of a, a a combo guard there because Virginia Tech had Justin Robinson, who was the point guard, and you know by nature, by his size, he was the point guard. But Alexander was a very good, you know, shooting guard, small forward wing for them that is a point guard as well. He just was taller and could play the two and three. So he projects as a point guard for me. That's the way I view him. I view him as a point guard in the NBA. And with the Pistons' need for that, whether it be as a backup this season and a starter down the line, you give Alexander Walker a year to develop under Ray Jackson, get his feet in the water, learn a little bit, Maybe don't throw him in right away as a starter, and, and then next year he'll be ready. You know, and that's the hope for the Pistons, and, and that'd be a fine pick. I can't argue it because I think that's I've struggled. I've gone back and forth with who I want, and I think I think Alexander Walker is who I want the Pistons to take if he's there. Next prospect for you, Aaron. He'll be there. Not his name has not been linked to the Pistons at all, but he's an intriguing prospect. I know you really liked him when he was at Kentucky, P.J. Washington. Yeah, I, I like Washington, and the problem is some are projecting him as a small forward. I know he's 6'8", but I don't think he's a small forward. I think he's a power forward, and you know the shooting is there, 42% from the three-point line, 15 points, 7.5 rebounds, nearly two assists, not a bad passer. I wrote about him before, not a bad passer for a power forward either, and you know, we talked about the Pistons needing a backup big. Johnson could be that if you're willing to pl- develop Thon Maker as your backup five, or I guess if you want to spend money and maybe move on from Maker and get a different backup five, so be it. But Washington wouldn't be a, a terrible pick. I just don't know how high on the priority list he would be with me for Detroit. You know, would I be upset if the Pistons take him? No, but I'm going to assume that there will be better options on the board. Uh, on, on with the 15th pick. Speaking of big men, a guy that some Pistons fans seem to like, uh, a name I've seen mocked to the Pistons a few months or some time ago, not most recently. Uh, Bull Bull. Can you imagine a backup duo of Thon Maker and Bull Bull? Two guys that weigh Fif- 150. 14 and a half feet between them, 300 pounds combined. I mean, look, he's coming off a big injury. Um, and for a big man, for literally a big man at, what, is he 7'2"? 7'2", I believe it is. You know, 7'2", 208. You're coming off a, as big of an injury as that. You want to risk the 15th pick for him? Like we said, the Pistons, they need to hit on this pick. They need to get a contributor. I don't know if Bobo's that guy, although he was productive in college before he got hurt. That, that injury is gonna kind of stay with him for a bit, you know. So I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily love that. And and I've seen, I don't know how high he's getting mocked right now. I know I've seen him, you know, earlier in the year before he got hurt, he was considered a you know lottery pick, top ten pick. Then he got hurt, 
and he fell all the way to the second round. Now he's kind of trending in the late teens, early 20s, late 20s. But back in that first round talk, I just don't think that's a good move for the Pistons. That's another move that, you know, a team that has those multiple picks, hey, Atlanta, they could take a shot at him. Agreed. You're not going to see me argue. I can't do a backup big man deal of Thonmaker and Bull Bull. Just can't do it. You got to have some meat on the back line. Not that this is even being considered by the Pistons, but you're right. You, like we said, you got to hit. I don't think Bull Bull would be a hit for Detroit. Next prospect for you, Aaron. A teammate of your friend, Cam Johnson. I know where this uh, is going. A McDonald's All-American coming out of high school. One one guy like Romeo Langford was considered a top three pick at the time coming out of high school. Had his struggles at North Carolina. He's only 6'4 and a half, 6'5", but he's got a wingspan of 7'1". Nasir Little. I swear Stanley Johnson was drafted in 2015. I just don't know how he's eligible for the draft again. That just doesn't make any sense. This guy's, look, he just screams Stanley Johnson 2.0 to me. He's got maybe the best build in the draft. He's a great defender at the college level, but he has nowhere near of a complete offensive game. He has a terrible jump shot, whether it be through the mechanics or the shooting percentage. It doesn't bear itself out. He's Stanley Johnson 2.0. And look, I, I like Stanley Johnson a lot when the Pistons drafted him. But I learned from my mistakes. I'm not buying into that again. So I'm out on Nazir Little. Thank you. I needed somebody to say it, and I wasn't sure if it was going to be you, but Stanley Johnson 2.0. I cannot live with a Nasir Little pick. I would be frustrated and angry and pissed off if that was the pick. He's right behind Kevin Porter for me on guys that I just want the Pistons to stay away from. Just, it's yes. Kevin Porter. Thank you. And then, like, literally right there, there's no space. It's. Nazir Little. I just, Thank I'm not you. buying into that again. I made my mistake in 2015. I'm a grown man now. I'm not making that mistake I'm again. I'm a grown-ass man. <laughs> you, you, you loved Stanley Johnson for years. Hey, I, I, I believed in him up until he got traded, pretty much. I wavered on him at the beginning of the season. Then he played hot basketball. I'm like, oh, you guys, here he is. This is the, this is the final <laughs> version of Stanley Johnson. And then he came back down to earth. And here we are. (laughs) And here we are. Next, I'm going to hit you with two prospects. Guys who very, very, very most likely won't be there when the Pistons are drafting 15. But what have we learned over the years? The NBA draft is anarchy. You really don't know what could happen. Anybody, anytime could slide. You just don't know. So two guys who you never know. They may be there on some whim, some crazy thing that happens in the draft. Siku Damboya and Rui Hachimura. In on on Damboya, I think the shot can develop. Uh, I know he shot the ball hot in his final games in international play. Other stats, you know, his size bears out that this is a guy that has the intrigue. That's why he's being mocked in the top ten. I'm out on Rui Hachimura. Because I don't know about his fit in the NBA. I don't know about his position. He's not quick enough to play the three. Not necessarily big enough to pay, play the four or the five. Um, so I just don't know if he fits with the Pistons. And for that, I'm out on him. Fair enough. Um, if Dumboy is there, which he won't be. But if he were, if the Pistons didn't take him, once again, I'd be very angry. I think that's a guy who has big time potential. He needs a few, but at the same time, he's a developmental prospect. He's going to need a few years to get it going. He's the youngest prospect in this draft. He like what? He just turned eighteen or something. He's got to work on his shot. But at six nine, two ten, he's still developing physically. I know right now he's listed at the power forward position, but there are quite a few people who think this is a big, long, small forward wing type player in this league once he develops his shot. And I'm on board with it. I was big Rui Hachimura guy early on in the year. Um, would have loved to see the Pistons get him. But as time goes up, has gone on, you're right about him, Aaron. He just seems a little too slow to play the three right now. And his size isn't there to play the four necessarily. So with that, if he was there and the Pistons took him, I don't think I'd be terribly upset. But at the same time, I don't know if how in a Rui Hachimura I am anymore. Yeah, it, it, it's a guy that I just, 
He's a good college player. I don't know if he's a good NBA player. Fair I enough. I don't know if he has the NBA I body, mean, the fair. NBA skill sets, the NBA intangibles to succeed at that level. That's fair. So, we've talked about quite a few guys in the first round, who we like, who we don't like. So let's dive into the second round just a little bit. Let's give it a real deep dive for these Pistons fans. Cam Reddish in the second round? Cam Reddish in the second <laughs> oh, I mean, round. I mean Cam Johnson. Cam Johnson, Cam in, the Johnson in the second round. Because he's still being mocked in the second round for some reason. Like, he isn't one of the better players in this draft. I mean... I know. I'm going to keep beating that, that horse. So, I know you are. You'll never stop. You'll never stop. This is something we've seen on Twitter a lot with the Pistons when they release their workouts for prospects they're bringing in. It seems to be a lot of second round guys. Guys who, the second round is so hard to predict, really. But we'll go with some prospects. Um, if you know anything about them, let's go on. Who, who do you like? Well, Before I give you a name, who do you want to talk about? Okay, second round guys that you know may be there for the Pistons, may not be. Dylan Winkler I like a lot. That guy that can play the three for the Pistons, really good shooter. He's tall, he rebounds, um, can handle it a little bit. Not the best ball handler, but I mean, hey, he's got to have philosophy. He's going to be there in the second round. Um, Kyle Guy wouldn't be the worst pick for the Pistons. Um, I don't love a lot of these prospects in the second round. I'll give you one. Darius Basley. Intriguing as hell. Okay. I mean, I know he worked out with Detroit. I know there's some intrigue around him. If the Pistons want to take a shot, why not? Big time prospect coming out of high school. Big time. Decided to he wasn't going to go to Syracuse anymore. Got out of his commitment was going to play in the G League, and then decided not to play in the G League and take a year off and just train. Sure. Interesting guy. You, you can take a shot on a guy like that in the second round. Ty Jerome, if he's there. Ty Jerome. Don't think he will be, but I'll be very happy with that pick. Another bigger guy that can play the point guard spot, shoots the ball pretty pretty freaking well. Um, maybe if Carson's at, Carson Edwards is there, I don't know if he'll still be there. I'm sure he's a guy that, with the tournament he had, Moved himself into that late first round, very early, you know, first two, three picks in the second round kind of guy. But if he's there, I'd like him. But there's just not a ton of ton of guys I love in the second round, not a ton of, ton of guys I really like. So I'd be happy, I'd be fine with the Pistons taking that shot on a guy like Baisley, um, you know, and, and seeing what happens. Fair enough. Or a guy like Jalen LeCou. Oh, guard. Oh, point guard! If you wanted, you know, if you want to test the waters with that, and you don't take a point guard in the first round, I would be very fine with that. If you're taking a chance, might as well take a chance that has that that high reward ceiling, right? And Lacuza guy that a big name didn't play college, you know, just played. I believe it was what IMG Academy was it? I think so, yeah. And, and you know, has put his name in the draft. I would be fine with the Pistons making that move. Interesting, interesting. I mean. You're right about the second round. Honestly, for me, the second round is all about taking a shot. But the Pistons have done a good job in the second round. This front office did a good job they last year. They did a great year job last with, year. With Brown and Kyrie Thomas. They did a great job. Now, if their scouting tells them a certain thing and they go for it, I'm not going to argue it. But if they want to take a if, shot, if they I'm see, not mad at them taking a shot if, either. If they see that Eric Pascal is, right, is exactly. going to be a great exactly. NBA player and has a great fit with the Pistons, fine. But a Basley or a Lacou, you want to take a shot on one of these freshmen that you know maybe didn't have the best season, maybe a Lugan Stork, fine. Go ahead, take your shot. Let's see if it pans out. As long as you hit with your first round pick, you can you can mess around in the second round. Let's be honest. I mean, I agree. If if they hit in the first round, take that chance, swing for the fences on a guy in the second. One final thing I want to talk about. Circling back to, we've seen the Pistons release the names of guys they've brought in for workouts on Twitter and different social media. A lot of these names are guys who were second round picks or not really going to be drafted at all. More like G League players. And that begs the question, what is going on in the front office? Aaron. If you had to choose right now, considering we're not seeing prospect names be released for guys who would be taken at 15, are the Pistons trading the 15th pick? Look, the days are dwindling on the NBA draft. It's going to be here. And I know the prospects 
don't come in until that you know final week or so. But we're in that final week. The Pistons released their draft workouts, you know, for today, Friday, and it's you know Nick Ward, Jawan Morgan, uh, Bryce, or um, the, the guard from Auburn, um, whatever his name is. It's Brown something or something like that. Um, but another second round, you know, maybe not even drafted kind of guy. Um, they're, they're not. They're not looking at all these guys that are first round prospects, um, and that's kind of raises your eyebrows as it should as it should uh you know you don't see the pistons bringing in anyone that's a first round talent bryce brown john elmore dante hall Jawan morgan don maker's younger brother mature maker and nick ward those are their workouts on friday any of those guys have a chance of being drafted in the first round no no so they were bringing in all second round guys again and now we're under a week until the draft. We're it's getting close, and we've seen a handful of guys come in for workouts with the Pistons that are first round prospects. We've seen the kill Alexander Walker, um, you know, I, I believe was Langford in. I, I think he I was. I think he was. I think Kevin Porter was in. Um, Nazir Little was in. After that, I just don't know how many there are. Yeah, I mean, and, there's still more guys you could bring in for a workout, right? To and see these these next few days, I guess are going to tell it because I don't really know how many guys are going to be working out with teams the day before the I, NBA right? draft. So I mean, sure, the Pistons have brought in some guys, maybe they're really zeroed in on, but it's not like they're just bringing in like a ton of guys that can really see what they can do. To give, they, they, it seems like they're either really zoned in on a few guys, and that's why they brought only a few of those guys in, and they'll make a pick from that. Or maybe that tri- that uh that pick's just not happening here in Detroit. I, I know Detroit is willing to trade that pick. I know they're willing to trade it, and maybe they will. I'm gonna leave it at that. Maybe, maybe they, they will. will. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna leave that one at that, just because. <laughs> just because. Well, I mean, we are less than a week away at this point. June 20th, next Thursday, NBA draft. It's upon us. It's the NBA summer. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be real crazy. It's going to be nuts. We're a week away, fellas and ladies and everyone who listens. That being said, Aaron, great breakdown on your prospects today. Thank you. People listening at home, I hope you learned something. I hope you have some prospects you're interested in. Guys, you want brought on the team? Let us know. Tweet Aaron, A. Johnson NBA. Tweet me, at Ryan Pay. At Palace of Pistons on Twitter. Let us know. Who do you guys want the Pistons to bring in? Who do you want them to draft? Or are the Pistons even drafting at 15? That being said, follow us on Instagram, Palace Pistons. Follow us on Facebook, Palace of Pistons. New on YouTube, thanks to Aaron. Go watch that video breakdown on Cam Johnson. Aaron does a great job with I will that. sell you on Cam Johnson. I, will, I promise you. And if I don't sell you... I'm not giving you anything. I'm, there's nothing you get back. Well, Aaron's but just not really good. Thanks for the view uh, and still subscribe. But seriously, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Podbean, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, like, tell a friend. All the good stuff. You guys know leave what a to comment. Do right now. You know what we've to been do. doing this. We long don't enough. need to keep telling you this, but we're gonna keep telling you this. Let just help us out. Help us out. Let we'll help you out. It's a big family here. Yeah, it is. And it's going to be a great week. We'll have some more content coming from you. Again, we'll have next week's podcast dropping the morning after the NBA draft goes down. So you'll get our reaction very shortly after the NBA draft. Um, I hope the Pistons make a good pick. They don't spoil my birthday on Friday or it's going to be a bad podcast. Uh, but, hey, maybe Brennan will even join us next hey, week. Hey, who knows? Maybe he'll decide to show up. Yeah. Probably not. But, hey, what? that's fine. No, wait. We'll see if Brennan shows up. That's our cliffhanger. It's not who the Pistons draft. It's not the Pistons trade the pick. We'll see you next week. If Brennan Johnson joins the Palace of Pistons podcast once again, here on the Palace of Pistons podcast, see you on Friday next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.